Assume nothing. Question everything and start thinking. This is the Thinking Atheist Podcast, hosted by Seth Andrews. The truth is in here. That's the title from a part of a Wondrium series called Understanding the Misconceptions of Science. You and I live in a world of misconceptions about the physical world, the microscopic world, the evolutionary world. And part eight is about the science of the search for extraterrestrial life, life elsewhere. How do you do that without the fiction and fantasy and conspiracy and conjecture, but you do it scientifically and responsibly? It's a great tie-in to this broadcast. It's also part of a whole world of knowledge that streams into your life from Wondrium. Previously known as The Great Courses Plus, Wondrium's got documentaries and tutorials, travelogues, programs by expert presenters and amazing nonfiction storytellers. So when you're done exploring our quest for aliens here, you can check out the topic and explore all of your wonders with Wondrium. Trust me, you are going to love it. Sign up today to get my special limited time offer, a free month trial of unlimited access. Go now to Wondrium dot com slash Seth. That's W-O-N-D-R-I-U-M dot com slash Seth for your free month trial. Wondrium.com slash Seth. All right, my friends, when I say UFO, we as people primed by the culture, what's the first thing that comes in our mind? At least in my mind, aliens. I'm guilty. I see there's like three feet tall and they're really skinny and they got like two fingers, really long fingers. And they have these big bulbous heads with huge almond shaped black eyes. And my aliens are kind. They're nice aliens. Like they, they've come, they come in peace aliens, you know, uh, probably because I was weaned on close encounters of the third kind, you know, these little childlike aliens come down and then you see the, the single really tall, skinny parental alien comes out and he brings his arms up wide as if to say, welcome or hope we are welcome. We come in peace. Those are my aliens. What do you see in your brain when you hear the word UFO? Even if you think unidentified object, you're probably not thinking you know, a blip in the sky, a reflection of light, uh, something on the radar, you know, a little dot, a pixel on the radar. I have a feeling you're probably, I mean, we were primed. We see the saucer or something that's sort of triangle or diamond shape and probably metallic. And it's off out there somewhere and it's floating around or perhaps even propelled by something traveling faster than anything humankind has ever developed before. We don't have this propulsion technology. It must be 
them. Yes, they created a craft that floats or flies, and it's got amazing technology for propulsion. And they've come just to what, surveil us, check on us, or kidnap us in the middle of the night and perform hideous experiments on us. You ever see the film Fire in the Sky? The whole point of the movie, aliens come down and they kidnap this dude and they just take him up to their little evil alien lab and they just do horrible stuff to him. <laughs> for, I don't think they even had a reason. They're like, you know what? We're the superior race and just for our own amusement, we're going to drag you out of your little barn or house. He had this old country home, I think, and uh, we're going to have you uh, tractor beamed up to our saucer where we're just going to be hideous and horrible to you and then we're going to drop you. We're just going to discard you. <laughs> and then we're going to let you go tell all your friends that, hey, I was kidnapped by aliens and they probed my orifices with their evil alien devices. And then we're going to watch with amusement as no one believes your story. That's essentially what Fire in the Sky was, as I recall. And I think that's what a lot of people think when they think about aliens. But it's UFOs are a compelling subject, right? Is that a single verb? UFOs is a compelling subject. UFOs are, I think, plural. UFOs are a compelling subject. As published at uh, space.com, the June 25th release of the U.S. government's report about unidentified flying objects has whipped up a blend of reactions from UFO groups to individuals in military, academic, and scientific circles. Labeled as preliminary, the unclassified nine-page UFO report. Now, again, this is released by the government of the United States. The UFO report was prepared by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence in consultation with the Pentagon, particularly the military's recently established Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, or UAP, task force. Now, if I can just pause for a second, I mean, this sounds hardcore. First of all, it reveals that government is, they're on the hunt, like they buy it. They think there's something out there and they're scanning the horizon. And, you know, I mean, if the CIA, national intelligence agencies, the U.S. government is seriously considering that there are UFOs out there. And then, of course, the next step we take in our brain, UFOs equals aliens. Well, there must be something to this. Back to the article. There were those breathing hard, awaiting compelling proof that aliens are here buzzing through Earth's airspace while chalking up extraterrestrial mileage points. While the report falls short on that score, what UAPs truly represent remains a mind-bending head-scratcher. Now, I'm not sure how I feel about them replacing UFO with UAP, unidentified aerial phenomena. I think UFO's sexier, don't you? UFO just, that's more fun, but we'll stick with UAP for the purpose of the article. UAPs are unidentified because of limited data, that's what makes the cases difficult to explain, said Mick West, writer and distinguished debunker. The report suggests the majority of cases, if solved, would turn out to be a variety of things like airborne clutter or natural atmospheric phenomenon. A lack of data does not mean aliens are the likely answer. Noting that we can't rule out aliens is idiotic, says West. Now, I find this interesting because I'm going to pinball over to a report in none other than the BBC. 
Now, they're looking at the same recently declassified report from the U.S. government. What's their headline say? June 25th, BBC News, Pentagon won't rule out aliens in long-awaited UFO report. And this is absolutely an instance of how even A-team, A-list media players construct clickbait for the masses. Now, nobody's saying it's not mysterious. Nobody's saying that we're not fascinated and we want to know what it is because it remains unidentified. Wired Magazine brought in a former Air Force pilot. Her name is Andrea Themley. Uh, She's a former Air Force colonel. They had her dissect the UFO footage. This is just a clip. She's talking about the gimbal video taken from an aircraft, taken from a fighter jet, off of the USS Roosevelt in 2015. What's noticeable is that there's no visible infrared exhaust plume coming from this object, and that indicates no source of propulsion as we know it. You see WHT, which stands for white hot. So the cooler heat signatures will appear as black, and the hottest targets are going to be displayed as white. A normal fighter-sized target will have a heat signature that can be detected approximately 10 nautical miles away with an infrared sensor. The skin friction of an aircraft enough flying through the air is going to be able to give a heat signature so that a targeting pod will be able to detect it. These objects don't seem to generate exhaust, so it's difficult to understand how they're creating propulsion. This leads to the second unidentifiable trait. They fly at hyperspeed. Showing at 180 knots right now, that is the actual closing velocity of that target to the host owned ship, the F-18, that's carrying the pod. From the bottom there, on the left-hand side, you see the F-18's airspeed, 258 nautical miles per hour, or Mach 0.62. And you can roughly tell, if you do some rough math, that that object is going approximately 500 miles per hour. Without any visible propulsion or any airfoils that provide lift, That's fast, but not supersonic fast. So let's consider the video taken during the 2004 USS Nimitz encounter. You can see at the very end, the video here, this aircraft just scoots off the screen very quickly. Based on that, and based on the testimony of the USS Princeton operators that found that object 60 miles away several seconds later, it's clear that this object was traveling at very high rates of speed with a lot of acceleration. According to the calculations of the USS Princeton radar team, the so-called Tic Tac UAP would have reached a maximum speed of about 46,000 miles per hour during a descent, or 60 times the speed of sound. I mean, I'll be the first to admit that all of this is raising fascinating questions. We have a blank. That blank has not been filled in with an answer, even though people like to scribble in whatever they wish. But it's still a fascinating blank, right? We sure would like to know what the hell is going on. I mean, it certainly does tick a lot of the boxes as far as the stuff that fascinates people in the culture, right? The unknown, the mysterious, the possible, the potentially dangerous. What is it? What's out there? Okay, how's this for timing? Netflix is about to release, if it hasn't already, but they just released the trailer recently, for a, quote, original factual television series featuring the most recent information and proof exposing the most top-secret government projects that handled contacts with and cover-ups of extraterrestrial presence on Earth. The trailer runs about a minute 45. I'm just going to play you the audio of the trailer for the upcoming Netflix series 
Top Secret UFO Projects Declassified. They don't want to be known. What we can do is judge their actions. Do they want to help us? Do they want to harvest us? The big question is intent. Who they are, why they're here, why they stick around with us. The question is, what possible visitations has the U.S. government been keeping from the public? So we're going to see more of those sorts of videos, I think. Secondly, I think we'll see more documents. And I think the other thing we will see, people who have been involved in this, they are going to come forward and speak out. People in the world and government start to get more information till eventually they acknowledge, yes, there's extraterrestrials here. Was it possible? Did these beings come from another world or from a parallel universe? We'll bring you the dramatic story of what happened over our nation's capital just one week ago tonight. Nobody's ever really seen it or know where it's at, but it's out there. But I think it's a noble pursuit to try to figure out why. Could we be on the verge of another conflict? We will have a broad awareness of who they are, what they're doing, why they're doing it. Okay, so Netflix, just like they did with Gwyneth Paltrow and Goop, they just have jumped the shark. <laughs> this is up there with History Channel, right? We used to rely on the History Channel for actual history. And then before you know it, it's like ancient aliens and shit like that. You know, so this is coming up on Netflix, and I'm sure the general population is just going to eat it up. All right, now hang on. Since we're having so much fun, I mentioned Ancient Aliens, an actual series on the History Channel. This is from Season 14, Alien DNA Found on Earth. Let me play a, a quick clip about abduction. There's some kind of symbiotic relationship between all of us. If all life in the universe is based on DNA, then aliens would be closely related to humans. Is this why so many abductees report that their alien abductors are so interested in human genetic material? Many abductees have talked about how they were taken on board UFOs and subjected to medical experimentation. Witnesses talk about blood, sperm, eggs being removed from their bodies. It's very possible that an alien intelligence is tinkering with our DNA to try to make us more compatible to them. And that perhaps one day, the two species will unite. And they will no longer be our gods, but we will be their equals. If aliens are using these microbes to make us more like them, then obviously we're going to start to show signs of that sort of genetic, physical evolution. In other words, our testosterone levels should go down. We're going to become more frail. We're probably going to become more androgynous. Our intelligence is going to be spiked. Some point out that these changes are happening already. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay, it's already happening. Aliens are... Uh, this is on the History Channel. 
This is the History Channel. This is supposedly where you and I are supposed to go. I mean, how hard is it? This isn't the Speculation Channel. This isn't the postulating about what might happen in the future channel. This is like just documenting what has already happened, what is a matter of record. That shouldn't be all that difficult. Just a relaying of information that's already part of the record. How do you get shit like this wrong? And I'll tell you the number one refutation in my mind that we are being enhanced by aliens. The whole public intelligence thing is, I'm sorry, uh, at least in this country, you know, I'm sorry, what, with QAnon and Flat Earth and anti-vax and all that, what, what? The, the mean intelligence of humankind has been enhanced? I'm kind of doubtful about that. But of course, you can see how in the wake of this uh, declassified Pentagon report that uh, the people already primed to think this crazy stuff is real, they're just going to take the ball and run with it. They don't even read the report. They're not interested in the details. They just see that something's been declassified. They're going to grab that football, and they're just going to run the wrong way down the field. Now, let's ramp things up yet another notch. We've got this recently declassified video. It was taken by a camera on a U.S. Navy F-A-18 Super Hornet aircraft. I'm going to play a clip from uh, this uh, recently released video. It's two pilots in Hornet aircrafts, and they're talking to each other. Hey. <laughs> Dude, this is a fucking drone, bro. There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the ASA. My gosh. They're all going against the wind. The wind's 120 knots to the west. Oh, I think, dude. That's not our LNS, though, is it? It's not. It is an LNS, dude. Okay, so the whole thing starts with a pilot, and he had remarked previously that he might be seeing a drone or something. I, I don't know. There's something here. What is that? Probably a drone. And then the pilot, same guy, says, look at that thing. The next pilot says, there's a whole fleet of them. My gosh, the first pilot replied. Now, add the visual of this, and there's like a... I don't know, a heads-up display, and you can see what looks like a flying saucer or something. I mean, it's really compelling stuff, especially if you're primed to believe that there's something else out there. Neil deGrasse Tyson, famous astrophysicist and host of the reincarnation of the series Cosmos. This was right after the Pentagon UFO report, the declassified report, came out. So he appears on The View, and he is asked about these UFOs and what it all might mean. Here's what he said. So you have a whole chapter of your book called Are We Alone in the Universe? So I'm gonna ask you, do you think these UFOs are extraterrestrial in nature? Yeah, so first of all, um, that book is a collection of questions we have all had about our place in the universe and top two or three questions I'm ever asked are, are we alone in the universe? So this is right at the center of people's core of curiosity, that's first. Second, the universe brims with mysteries and we so want many of those mysteries to be some favored uh, answer that we might carry. You see a light in the sky you don't understand. Gee, I want that to be aliens visiting us. In science, however, you, want, you look at, you, you rank possibilities by likelihood, okay? These Navy videos, you have to ask, if they are aliens visiting, why are they only 
visiting Navy pilots. The Defense Department issued a formal statement about this declassified video. It said the aerial phenomena observed in the videos remain characterized as unidentified. But according to a recent report at NPR in a 2019 Gallup poll, Americans, at least, seem ready to believe. The poll found that a third, one-third of U.S. adults agreed with the idea that some UFOs have been alien spacecraft visiting Earth from other planets or galaxies. The article goes on to say it's speculation about extraterrestrial beings coming to Earth and potentially colonizing our planet, as humans have done to one another for millenniums, has long been fuel for movies and pulp novels. America's fixation with UFOs has its roots in July 1947. According to UFO enthusiasts, that's when the U.S. Air Force allegedly recovered an alien spacecraft and its occupants near Roswell, New Mexico. That same year, the Air Force started a program to investigate UFO sightings called Project Blue Book, Over the next two decades, 12,618 strange sightings were reported to the project. When it was phased out in 1969, around 700 sightings were still categorized as unidentified. Now I want to come back to 1947. And this is where the whole Area 51 thing really began. Smithsonian published an article about this a few years ago. that said June 14, 1947... A rancher named W.W. Mac Brazel and his son Vernon were driving across their ranch land some 80 miles northwest of Roswell when they encountered something they'd never seen before. It was, in Brazel's words, a large area of bright wreckage made up of rubber strips, tin foil, and rather tough paper and sticks. The metallic-looking lightweight fabric was scattered shredded across the gravel and sagebrush of the New Mexico desert. Brazel didn't know what to do with the newfound items or how they'd landed on the property. So on July the 4th, he collected all the mysterious wreckage he could find. On July 7th, he drove it all to Roswell, delivering the goods to Sheriff George Wilcox. Wilcox, too, was confounded. Seeking answers, he contacted Colonel Butch Blanchard, commander of the Roswell Army Airfield's 509th Composite Group, located just outside of town. Blanchard was stymied. Working his way up the chain of command, he decided to contact his superior, General Roger W. Ramey, commander of the 8th Air Force in Fort Worth, Texas. Blanchard also sent Major Jesse Marcel, an intelligence officer from the base, to investigate more thoroughly. Accompanied by the sheriff and Brazel, Marcel returned to the site and collected all of the wreckage. As they tried to ascertain what the materials were, Marcel chose to make a public statement. On July the 8th, Marcel's comments ran in the local afternoon newspaper, the Roswell Daily Record, alongside a headline stating, RAAF captures flying saucer on ranch in Roswell. The body of that story contained a dramatic, memorable sentence. The intelligence office of the 509th Bombardment Group at Roswell Army Airfield announced at noon today that the field has come into the possession of a flying saucer. 
Roger Lanius, the recently retired curator of space history at the Smithsonian's National Air and Space Museum, said apparently it was better from the Air Force's perspective that there was a crashed alien spacecraft out there than to tell the truth. A flying saucer was easier to admit than Project Mogul. By the way, Project Mogul was a top-secret project by the U.S. Army Air Force, and it involved uh, microphones that they had attached to these high-altitude balloons. They were using these balloons and microphones to try to detect Soviet atom bomb tests from long, long distances. And so from 1947 to 1949, they had these big-ass high-altitude balloons with really sensitive microphones, and they're up there near the top of the atmosphere, and they're trying to detect sound waves generated by these Soviet nuclear tests. They had some success with the balloons, but it was really, really expensive. And then technology advanced where they were using other tools like seismic detectors, and they sampled the air for nuclear fallout, and they found other devices that were just cheaper to make. So the whole balloon microphone thing went away. But one of these had crashed. The Pentagon's trying to keep it a secret. The Roswell Daily Record publishes a headline including the words flying saucer, and the whole notion of flying saucers and aliens, fueled, I think, by a cultural paranoia that was part of the uh, the brand new nuclear age, right? We just developed the atom bomb, dropped it on Hiroshima, Nagasaki, and now we had entered this sort of new era where there was danger, even greater danger, world-destroying danger everywhere. And all of this begins to take off. Back to the article from the Smithsonian. Everywhere you looked in 1947, a global, social, and political chessboard was being redivided. The Soviet Union began to claim Eastern European nations for itself in a new post-war vacuum. Voice of America started broadcasting in Russian to the Eastern Bloc. The U.S. sent V-2 rockets carrying payloads of corn seeds and fruit flies into outer space. The Bulletin of Atomic Scientists set the doomsday clock ticking and the Marshall Plan was in the making to rebuild war-torn Europe. A small wonder that in the heat of summer that year, flying saucers became all the rage. June 21, 1947, Navy seaman Harold Dahl claimed to have seen six unidentified flying objects in the sky near Maury Island in Washington State Puget Sound. The next morning, Dahl said he was sought out and debriefed by men in black. Three days after the doll sighting, an amateur pilot named Kenneth Arnold said he'd spotted a flying saucer in the sky by Mount Rainier, Washington. By the end of 1947, mass hysteria had seized the global mindset, with more than 300 alleged flying saucer sightings in the last six months of that year alone. Not that there was ever any credible evidence to support the sighting. Finally, the War Department steps in. The War Department publishes this formal statement saying that the debris that was found on Brazel's ranch was the remains of a weather balloon that came out on July the 9th. But of course, it's a lot easier to convince people of a conspiracy theory than to sort of disabuse them of that conspiracy theory, and the public simply was not convinced. Before you know it, you've got more headlines, you've got books being published, you've got UFO sighting clubs being formed. 
There was a global fascination with flying saucers, and it wasn't just here in the United States. It had spread everywhere from Belgium to Russia to Japan. There were UFO magazines, UFO television shows, even popular items sold to children like a UFO lunchbox. There's a great photograph in the article, and it shows this, uh, I don't know, it looks like um, somebody from Team America World Police, and he's got a radar with a blip on it, and then there's what looks like the ship from Space 1999, and the word UFO is actually on the front. The town of Roswell started to cash in on the UFO craze. Did you know that Roswell was home to the International UFO Museum and Research Center? I don't think it's like an official organization. I think somebody just came up with a fancy name. The International UFO Museum and Research Center. The local Walmart decorated its walls and its front windows with aliens. The civic seal of the city of Roswell has an artist rendering of an alien. The local McDonald's in town has enough spacecraft accessories to look like it's a ship that's ready to take off for some distant galaxy. Along the street, there are shops and stores and markets where you can buy toy aliens and flying saucers and all these extraterrestrial-type trinkets that are sold in the local shops. Quite the industry. More than 70 years of amusement, obsession, even hysteria involving UFOs, secrets, conspiracies, little green men. And almost all of it started back in 1947 in Roswell, New Mexico. I was always fascinated by the crop circle thing. I just thought they were cool. Remember back when we saw the first reports of crop circles and they had those aerial photographs from the fields where there were circles and squares and lines and patterns and many of them were so intricate and so complicated and so beautiful. And our first thought was what? As a culture, our first thought was aliens. (laughs) It's got to be an extraterrestrial. And they've come to draw pictures in our crops for some reason you know we weren't thinking at the time what earthly explanation is there and of course many people don't even want to remotely hear that it's just some pranksters who are able to go out and just sort of stomp the crops down using these amazing designs i mean crop circles are amazing enough without having to have extraterrestrials involved but on that score let me play a a piece of a tedx talk that Dr. Donald Prothero did. This was, I think, back in 2020. He did a presentation from the stage for the TED audience called UFOs and Aliens, What Science Says. And Dr. Prothero was talking at one point about crop circles. One of the principles the scientists use all the time is called Occam's razor, which we actually probably most of us use all the time. When there's more than one explanation for some phenomenon, usually the simplest one is the best. Now, it's not always true the simplest one's right, but it works out most of the time. So, if you're walking in the woods and you hear and see a hairy creature walking along, it could be Bigfoot, but it's probably a bear. You look up in the sky and you think you see a UFO, it's probably a weather balloon. If you hear hoofbeats, think horses, not zebras, okay? And here's a good application of this. This is something that's very common in the UFO community. This idea of crop circles. In the middle of the night, some alien from millions of light years away came down to some farmer's field, made patterns, and then left. Okay? These appeared all over the world, but especially in England and the United States and others, usually in grain fields. 
And this kind of thing is a very much an example of Occam's razor. It could be the aliens came down here, or it could be that a hoaxer is involved. In fact, we now know most of these are produced by hoaxers who have come out, or sometimes the farmer themselves, and all it takes is a board and a rope and a stake and a plant in mind. You can make amazing patterns in fields of grain. So as the graphic here says, if we ever travel thousands of light years to a planet inhabited by intelligent life, let's just make patterns in their crops and leave. <laughs> not, not a very parsimonious hypothesis. Or as our little alien said there, I love to mess with their minds. Next up, I'm going to talk to a guy who has been doing this for a long time, James Underdown. He's been the executive director for CFI, the Center for Inquiry West in Los Angeles. For many decades, he's been an investigator, like a hands-on investigator of paranormal claims, little green men, uh, pseudoscience, ghost sightings, those types of things. Jim writes for Skeptical Inquirer. He founded the Independent Investigations Group in Hollywood, California. You may have seen his appearances. He's been on Dr. Phil. He appeared on Battle of the Psychics, Fox News. He was on Penn and Teller's Bullshit twice. He appeared as a skeptic and debunker on the Oprah Winfrey Show. And he has been up to his neck in hearing and testing the claims about paranormal activity, the dead who walk among us, paranormal claims in the Bible, famous hoaxes that many people still believe as truths. And beyond all of that, critical thinking, how do we bullshit-proof ourselves out there in the culture? Let me take a short break. I'll be right back with the always animated always entertaining james underdown after this on the internet you've got an identity you got a signature it's an ip address that might be vulnerable to somebody who wants to track your movement online or access your computer maybe even get some personal data to steal your identity private industry government agencies they love to collect browsing data messages social media posts etc public wi-fi not exactly secure but it can be. NordVPN is in the business of keeping your IP address safe. A VPN is a virtual private network. It's encryption for your online life. It's security. It's peace of mind. NordVPN uses over 5,200 servers in 59 different countries. You can protect multiple devices at the same time, and they're right there for you with 24-7 support if you have any issues or questions. It's super fast. It's reliable. This is a no-brainer, and there's never been a better time to use NordVPN. Go to nordvpn.com Seth or use the code Seth, and you can get 73% off plus four bonus months for free. With a 30-day money-back guarantee, there is zero risk when you try, and the ease and speed and peace of mind you get is just amazing. Remember, 73% off, four bonus months, and satisfaction guaranteed when you go to NordVPN. That's N-O-R-D-V-P-N dot com slash Seth, or use the code Seth. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You want a commercial-free version of the show and you want to get it two days early, please become a patron, patreon.com slash Seth Andrews. The last half of our broadcast about UFOs, featuring a very special guest, I have a video version of this conversation. That YouTube link is in the description box of the show. In case you haven't noticed, they're out there. And you know, I want to believe, because I am... Big fan of the X-Files. I used to be a guy who thought maybe there were, not little green men, but, you know, there were aliens of some kind. You know, there might be life elsewhere. And I still think that. Of course, I'm thinking now in terms of bacteria or maybe something that we haven't really thought about yet. But there is a culture of people right now, a huge demographic of people who are convinced that these new reports of the CIA and Area 51, even the Catholic Church, prove that there are aliens walking among us. And I wanted to speak to somebody about this, somebody who can talk with authority about aliens and the paranormal because he has been an investigator and debunker for many, many decades. Jim Underdown, good to have you, brother. It's good to be back. You uh, been following this whole thing? I think one of the more recent reports was that uh, some of the higher-ups in the Catholic Church, the Pope and the bishops, may have been liaising with little green men or something. I don't know. Can you kind of give me what you've seen out there in terms of these UFO reports? Yeah, you know, it's always disappointing to see these flare-ups of this stuff because it's our answers are sort of haven't really changed much over the decades. We've been reporting on this stuff 
since the 70s. And, uh, you know, I, we were disappointed to see that uh, 60 Minutes got in on the clickbait aspect of this. This strange encounter with an unidentified flying object is one of more than 140 U.S. intelligence cannot explain. Because they're sort of rehashing some of the same old ridiculous stories that have been circulating for years, and they're they're attaching a level of significance to it that gets people all whipped up. And frankly, you know, it's not something we need nowadays. There's enough for people to get... Uh, you know, all excited about. <laughs> well, I think when, you know, people throw out the CIA, declassified reports, it adds, you know, ostensibly adds a level of credence or credibility. You know, this stuff has been classified for a reason. The government doesn't want us to know for a reason. And now it's been exposed. And of course, you and I are in the same boat where we're like, well, UFO, I mean, the word unidentified, unidentified's in the title. Like, it's not been identified. We don't know what the fuck this is, <laughs> right? I mean, have you gone down that road? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's a big part of it. And, and, and frankly, what people should keep in mind is most of these Navy reports and the Air Force reports, they've been watching this stuff for decades. And, and first of all, let me say this. They should be watching it. It's their job to police our skies. So it's okay that they're looking at these reports and trying to find out who or what is up there. Okay, that's legitimate. But uh, they've looked at these reports, and a vast majority of them are solved in like five minutes. They look at they look at the radar and they look at the airplane, you know, schedules and reports, and it's like, oh yeah, that was a DC-10, and oh yeah, that was one of ours. And people see stuff up there all the time, and usually. We know in pretty short order what it is. So it's really only a small percentage that they're saying, oh, um, what could that be? And then even after that, even if you end up with, geez, I don't know what the hell that is, it shouldn't automatically lead to little green men or lizard people or the Catholic Church talking to People from, who knows? I mean, it's it's silly, most of it. One of the best UFO photographs I've seen in a long time was actually your creation. Did you <laughs> throw a plate in the air or something? Oh, you created a, a UFO experience visually that's quite convincing. Tell me about that photograph. Yeah, I don't, I don't know which one you're talking about because I've faked thousands of these, <laughs> literally. Um, I've, I've been shooting. I, I, it used to be every time I went on vacation, I would bring my little UFO kit and I would take it with me. And I've so I now have UFO photos over four different continents, everywhere from Vietnam to the Ukraine to Cape Town, South Africa. And what I use, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to give away the secret because it, it, I discovered it by accident. I use, it's, it's sort of invisible thread. It's not invisible thread like magicians use. But you can buy this at your local craft store. That's thread that's, I don't even know what the, the millimeters is, but it's at about 10 or 15 feet, even 35 millimeter film cannot see this thread, especially if it's a cloudy day. Sometimes the sun will glint off of this stuff a little bit. So what I've been doing for 
20 some years now is I, I, I found out that if you hooked up a, the top of a Mr. Coffee Pot lid to this invisible thread, the weird shape of the Mr. Coffee Pot lid sort of jiggles a little bit in the wind. And if you take lots of pictures, you get these shapes up there, and it's clearly not an airplane, but it could be kind of a flying saucer or some other shape, and it looks like it's got thrusters on it, and, you know, just people's imagination go wild. And if it's the really cool thing about this is if it's, like 10 or 15 feet away from the camera, most cameras are, their focal point is at, an, at infinity at that point. And if there's nothing in between my UFO and the camera, it's impossible to tell if this is a giant craft a mile away or a Mr. Coffee Pot lid 15 feet away. Awesome. So, you know, that the optical, the optics of it um, make it impossible. And none of these pictures are photoshopped. It's the original actual picture. So if you go back to the, you know, the, the digital information about it, it's the real picture. I haven't messed with it. Almost like the Bigfoot photos. You know, it's always these kind of weird, grainy, imperceptible <laughs> yeah. thing. I mean, we have how many billion cell phone cameras going on worldwide, and yet all we're talking about is the CIA photographs and you know the airline footage. And I'm like, you know, if we were talking about these as legitimate phenomena, you know, it'd be almost like when people used to talk about tornadoes hitting this part of the country. I live in Tornado Alley, and it was very rare decades ago to even see what they were like, what the nature of a tornado was. They were not well studied. And of course now, every time one drops, hundreds drop every season, everybody's got cell phone video, their whole YouTube channels about them. And I think if there are genuinely flying saucers, they're scooting around. We've all got HD, even 4K phone cameras. It's weird that we're only talking about the government footage. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of these cases are older than all of our cell phone cameras. But yeah, if the... The so-called aliens are not shy about being seen by our military or whoever else. It's not just the military who are shooting the, even these older reports. Um, if the aliens aren't shy, yeah, why aren't uh, why aren't we getting some better shots? And then you see, you know, some joker has a YouTube video about it, and it's clearly CG and it's it's faked and. You know, it's pretty obvious. Hey, Jim, you've seen those guys who drive up to the like the gated portion of Area 51, and then they they say they wouldn't let us in, like like they are surprised that they can't get into a, a military installation, and that somehow is proof that something is being hidden. Uh, have you seen those guys? I know Area 51 is that's a huge. It's kind of a big tourist industry. Uh, you know, space aliens, that's profitable for some people, or at least it gets them on the map in terms of uh, being noticed by society, right? Yeah, I mean, you can't just drive on to Fort Bragg or, you know, either. So I don't know what these guys think. You know, that's why they have fences around the military. And especially, and, you know, the, the Army doesn't, uh, the Air Force doesn't call it Area 51, but Please, people, I mean, our military is working on some secret stuff all the time. 
you know, the, the uh, stealth bomber, the flying wing, all these weird aircraft that if you were to see that for the first time, you wouldn't know what that was. I wouldn't know what it is. I mean, you look up and see the flying wing and it's like, what the hell is that thing from the 50s even or 60s? So, you know, yes, they're working on stuff and Yes, they have to fly it around a little bit to ch test it out before Northrop gets the contract. So don't be surprised that we have some secrets from our enemies and that they have to fly it around and check it out first. Let's just get philosophical. Do you think there's something out there? Is there life elsewhere, Jim? Oh, hell yeah. I mean, it's we might even, I mean, I hope I live long enough to, I hope they, you know, start drilling through the ice in uh, one of these Jupiter moons or one of these Saturn moons. I, there's probably, we might even find it uh, under the dirt on Mars. Um, like you said, it's probably, you know, bacteria or, the, you know, that sort of that level life. But that tells us that if conditions are right, eventually that even simple form of life can evolve into something a little bit more advanced. Now, there's a lot of problems with, even if there's tons of life out there, uh, the conditions have to be right for them to get to be thinking beings. Uh, it has to time out right that, you know, those of us who happen to be living at this exact moment in the life of the universe are privy to whatever they're doing in their exact moment in the universe. So there's, and then the distances are phenomenal. Even our closest star for our current technology, uh, Proxima Centauri, uh, it would take tens of thousands of years to get to our very nearest star. So there's some pretty serious issues about flying across even our galaxy, much less between galaxies. Um, so, you know, the long and short of it is the odds are real low that there are ships flying over here and we should exhaust all the other possibilities we can think of before we say little green man just visited Oklahoma. People want to believe, right? I mean, you see that a lot. It's like ghosts, and I want to segue, maybe an awkward segue into the paranormal, but, um, you know, I think once people have made up their minds, or at least made up their hearts, that it's true, then it's all confirmation bias. They're just going to find every shape, every sign, quote-unquote sign, and that's proof. So is there any convincing the people when you've been out there debunking? You show them, hey, I threw this coffee pot lid in the air, and this is how this was faked, and this is how this tactic is done by you know those who are spreading bunk do you have any traction out there or is the desire to believe all-consuming it's it's definitely is an uphill climb with that i think you know um first of all it's titillating it's it's fun to think about it's exciting to think about and a little bit of bad information does go a long way and nowadays you know with all these youtube videos the sophistication of the people who would uh, perpetuate these beliefs is better and their reach is farther than it ever was in the past. You used to get these, you know, small groups of cranks who believed in this stuff and, you know, they would advertise in the back of comic books or wherever they could find like-minded individuals. 
And now you throw something up on YouTube, and if you did a good job, you know, you could have, you could have a million hits or something. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, you know, I think people, we, you and I keep track of this stuff. You know, we see people leaving their, their traditional religions in great numbers, and they're trying to make sense of their lives and the universe and what it's all about. And I think maybe sort of being open to other new ideas now uh, allows some of these wackier beliefs to gain some traction. Interesting, too. I know a lot of people who don't have a God belief do believe in ghosts. I don't have a, a belief in ghosts or I haven't been seen any evidence that ghosts exist. I love ghost stories, obviously. I've even done an audiobook that's filled with nothing but ghost stories. I love horror movies. I just watched the latest Conjuring film, right, which was based on the supposedly true story of Ed and Lorraine Warren, these paranormal investigators who were involved in everything from Amityville to something else. Have you gone into ghost hunting? Have you researched the Warrens? Do you have any thoughts or perspective on any of that? We've dealt with, uh, my Center for Inquiry Investigations group has dealt with a number of ghost claims over the years. You know, most of the time, what happens is uh, someone says, I saw a ghost. We show up, the ghost isn't there, and we leave. Um, so it's like, you know, if you want to tell me a story about what happened, okay, it's kind of hard to investigate and it's hard to test. Once in a while, you get a little bit better answer. Um, we visited a family with a, a precocious nine-year-old son who uh, had guilty looks in his eyes when we were talking about things flying across the kitchen. So, you know, we could sort of point and say, uh, you know, maybe Junior, you want to keep an eye on Junior uh, when you're out of the room. Um, but the one that was real interesting, a, uh, a couple of writers up in the Hollywood Hills both apparently saw the same apparition at the foot of their bed at the same time. So to get two people seeing the same thing at the same time is a little bit uh, less usual. And so we split them apart and we interviewed them in two different rooms extensively about what they saw and, and what happened. And it turned out that their stories, which had sort of melded together over time, were really quite different. And then we also found out that the, uh, the husband was on a heart medication. One of the known side effects was uh, optical or, um, hallucinations. hallucinations. Oh, wow. So, you know, we can't say for sure, but all arrows are pointing to these explanations. You ever spent the night in a haunted house? No, but I would, especially if there were money in it. Uh, <laughs> why not? <laughs> I mean, I'd totally do it. I mean, I'm one of those guys who's, I'm interested. I, I, you know, if something weird or creepy was going on, I think I would want to know that. There was this old television show called The Scariest Places in the World or something like that, where they would take these families and lock them into haunted castles overnight and give them a series of tasks. And I mean, you can genuinely freak yourself out in places like that, these sort of underground caverns and dungeons with no light and, and all of that. Um, has anything, yeah, there's some, oh, there go ahead, some go evidence, ahead. there's some evidence, by the way, that, 
um, certain environments like creepy, damp, dark places, that there is a genetic predisposition for human beings for the, you know, the hair to stand up on the back of your neck and for you to go into sort of high alert. So it's, it's very natural for us to get in certain situations like that and sort of be on edge and, you know, looking for listening hard and looking for something to happen. And so that when, you know, the squirrel in the attic knocks something over or whatever, um, you know, you're, you're immediately tuned into that. And, and people who are predisposed to believe in ghosts, is, that's just confirmation of the ghost. The ones that freak me out are when you're looking in the window and you see the shape. I guess this speaks to pattern seeking. We as human beings have evolved that tendency. You see a lot of that, right? It's almost the face on Mars phenomenon. It's got to be built by, I guess that takes us back to the aliens. Pattern seeking, right? Right. I mean, we are, uh, we are pattern seeking creatures. We are uh, sort of programmed to pick out faces out of things. We're programmed to react to movement and, and our, our, you know, our peripheral vision. So, yeah, you know, again, especially if you're, you're, you're natural, your belief system includes the idea of ghosts or shadow people or whatever, um, the, the, seeing stuff like that is just going to confirm your thoughts on those things. Tell me about these organizations you're involved with. I know that you're involved with CFI. I always call it the Center for Inquiry because inquiry is hard for me to say. Uh, <laughs> the Center for Inquiry. Uh, also, the um, Independent Investigations Group. Uh, you founded this group, and what is it? Yeah, the, it's, it's now the Center for Inquiry Investigations Group. The Center for Inquiry has uh, subsumed the Independent Investigations Group. So yeah, uh, I founded the group in 2000. It's a group that investigates and tests paranormal phenomena. Uh, we have a, a quarter million dollar prize for anyone who can prove paranormal ability under scientific test conditions. This of course is modeled after the James Randi million dollar challenge, which has been dormant for many years. So we're the we're the busiest, most active testing organization in the world for people who think they possess superpowers. You go out and create some sort of laboratory condition for actual testing. What's that look like? It depends on what the what the the uh, claim is. For instance, if you claim to have telepathic ability that you could send something into a Confederate's mind. Um, we would separate you in two rooms where there could be no exchange of information. We're going to wind you and make sure you don't have any transmitting devices and say, you know, how many playing cards out of 10 could you get or Zener cards or roll of the dice, whatever random event that your receiver would not know about, how, how accurate can you be? And if it's more if it's significantly more than chance, I mean, obviously, if someone says I can get uh, ten coin or five coin flips out of ten flips, right? Um, you know, we're going to roll our eyes and and say up your game. But if you uh, can do something extraordinary, we had one guy who said he could get 
48 out of 52 playing cards right uh, flipped from one room to another. And the odds of doing that by chance alone are off the charts, you know, billions and billions to one. So um, we're just going to make sure you don't cheat. And if you can do it, and you actually have to do it twice because we don't want someone just walking up and getting lucky with this. We, we want to see actual ability. If you could do it on the preliminary demonstration and then for the money, uh, you win a quarter mil. Quarter of a million dollars. Speaking of James Randi, and we lost a big one, right? We lost a, a freaking legend. Not just a, a, a great entertainer and illusionist magician conjurer by his own words, but a great debunker. I'm reminded of when he was on stage in front of a live audience and he had a whole big uh, case full of homeop or homeopathic pills and he <laughs> swallowed all of them at once, right? He overdosed on homeopathic medicine because it's not medicine. He was proving a point. He was able to do that with some style and flourish. You remind me a little bit of him because you've got that sort of sharp sense of humor. You know, you kind of wink as you uh, as you're doing all of your debunking it's obvious you enjoy your work <laughs> would that be a fair assessment I, I do you know i mean i i've had 40 jobs in my life and um this is by far the most interesting and in changes i just wish i could do some i mean randy one of the things that made randy great was you know because he was a magician and knew close-up magic and and the art of deception he could really show at least how some of these people who were tricking people, how they operated. Another guy who's great at that is uh, Darren Brown over in the UK. Uh, he's a mentalist, and he shows how you could be even in another room or you could manipulate circumstances beyond cold reading, beyond the stuff that you and I are already familiar with. But, you know, he's just a master at manipulating people and then divulging what it would look like in any other context – a supernatural extraction of information and then he debunks it at the end and he's like this is all crap like i manipulated this i made it happen i think darren brown d-e-r-r-e-n brown for those who are interested i don't know if you follow darren's work at all over there oh yeah no darren's great he's and, and i i love the fact that he does explain some of this stuff because really a lot of it is 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 context when you have a magician performing no one in the audience actually thinks the woman is being sawn in half. But if you're out in public, and I don't know if you have you ever seen this this show, the uh, Carbonero effect. Never seen it. He's a magician, but he goes out and he'll, he'll uh, make a deal with uh, someone in a small business or a storefront, and he'll in the guise of explaining, you know, a new product or something like that, he'll do a magic trick. So the context of that is someone's not expecting it, and he does these magic tricks, and people just completely freak out. They're fairly standard, and he's good. He's a good magician, but they're fairly standard magic tricks. But in the context of being out and about in public, um, people just are, are stunned, and that's the, kind of the difference what, what, what happens with uh, some of these people who are faking and making claims, they catch people off guard and they're just not, they don't have their skeptical antenna up. Now, this is fertile ground for the con, right? For the grifter. I mean, we see this in the faith healing community, right? Have you done some work on the faith healers? This is a leading question. I know you have. But uh, yeah, I, I, I've been to see uh, a, 
our one of our favorites, uh, Benny Hinn, oh. three different times. <laughs> he's uh, he's he's this guy with the uh, big comb over, and I got to watch out because I'm starting one myself. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he wears white, and he and he. He, he he sells out these big arenas. I saw him in where the Anaheim Ducks play, and you know there are the place holds seventeen thousand people, and he's up there and he's he's slapping people on the head, and they fall over and they say that they're they're healed. And you know we noticed that there were people in the back of the arena in wheelchairs on gurneys that were not allowed to go up on stage because they had real ailments and uh, Benny Hinn couldn't do shit to heal them. Yeah, it's not like they're wheeling the amputee up, right? They've got somebody who's got the cane or, you know, some other, maybe they say they can't see, but it's not even a, a total blindness. They've got partial sight and they play off of that. So I remember James Randi was exposing Oral Roberts, the tent evangelist, and how he had people who would travel with them from revival to revival. These actors would go up and they would have a wheelchair and they would get up. Oh, praise Jesus, miracle, I'm healed. And they would then go out the back and go sit in the truck before the next stop, right? Yeah, George Carlin's line was the best. Uh, you'll know a true faith healer if you can change somebody's shoe size. Yeah, well, I mean, why aren't they at the children's hospital? Right? Why yeah. are they? Why aren't they at the, at the Anaheim Auditorium? <laughs> why? Why are they selling out? Uh, you know these convention centers and church halls. Why aren't they over actually healing the sick where there are the sick? I always thought that was an interesting question. Yeah, you could. You might ask God the same question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a you know that's a whole other podcast, brother. I'm yeah. interested. And where do I send people if they want to find out about your work, the investigations, the debunking, the examinations of everything from the UFOs to the ghosts and the paranormal claims, et cetera. Point me in some directions. Yeah, I, I mean, you can go to the cfiig.org website. That's the investigations group website. But I just, I always recommend people, I mean, if you have a legitimate interest in this stuff and want to know what's going on, Skeptical Inquirer has been around for 40 some years now. So, uh, you know, uh, it's the, the old website used to be psychopsicop.org, but I think skepticalinquirer.org is is available too. So, I mean, this is where you get really high level people. You know, we talk, we're talking about UFOs. Um, go to Mick West's website, Metabunk. Robert Schaefer has been looking into UFOs for a long time. And uh, this guy, James McGahey and Joe Nickel have been writing about UFOs forever. So this is, these are, this is where you go for good, credible, science-based, skeptical information about this stuff. In the meantime, feel free to take some fishing line and the top of a Mr. Coffee pot and go out and experiment with your own little photography tricks. Who knows what you might be able to do at parties. That just sounds like fun to me, Jim. Just You're, don't pass it off as real, please. I just, got enough head. <laughs> okay, don't send it to Jim Underdown, please. He's got a full plate with bunk to debunk as it is. I'll uh, link to all that stuff in the description box. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Seth. Good talking to you. Follow The Thinking Atheist on Facebook and Twitter. 
For a complete archive of podcasts and videos, products like mugs and t-shirts featuring the Thinking Atheist logo, links to atheist pages and resources, and details on upcoming free thought events and conventions, log on to our website, thethinkingatheist.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.